This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Nick Preciado, editor of San Jose Spotlight. Earlier this week, the San Jose City Council faced making a decision on approving or denying a proposed mixed-use development at the current site of the San Jose flea market. While the council discussed development, hundreds of flea market vendors and their supporters protested outside City Hall while taking part in a hunger strike. After deliberating Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, the council pushed back making a decision by one week. Joining me now to examine this is San Jose Spotlight reporter Lloyd Alaban. Hey. Okay, Lloyd, can you give us a bit of background on this? Uh, What is happening with the proposed development at the flea market? Certainly. So uh, the Bum family, the owners of the flea market, are looking to rezone a 61.5 acre portion of the flea market so they can uh, make it denser. And they're looking to add around uh, 3.4 million square feet of commercial space and up to 3,400 homes on the side. Uh, and that, of course, will shrink the flea market from its, its current size. And the, the current proposal that they have now is five acres for a new flea market, which is about a third of what it is right now. And that fact has a lot of vendors concerned about uh, where they're going to go, and uh, the future of their business. And uh, after an uproar from uh, the vendors uh, and the vendors association, uh, the Bum family decided to make a few concessions, uh, including giving two and a half million dollars to a vendors fund to help with moving costs. Um, They've promised uh, that they won't evict anyone and uh, for a one-year notice before all the vendors have to leave for the new reimagined flea market, and that won't get enacted until 2023. That, that's, of course, if this plan passes. I see. So there's still a little time for these vendors to figure out what's going to happen and probably still time to figure out exactly how many vendors are going to be able to use this market space. But you know, shrinking from 15 acres to five acres, that's a really big jump. So in terms of the council meeting, what happened with that? Why did the council decide to continue the item by one week? A lot of the council members were very concerned that the vendors weren't given enough time and um, in a, enough uh, opportunities to negotiate both with the city and with uh, the Bum family and the representative, um, Eric Schenauer. And what they wanted to see, what the vendors wanted to see, is basically every vendor accounted for in this new flea market. There's around 430 or so vendors who currently have a business at the current flea market. And one of the the key demands from the Vendors Association, which is uh, a group formed by uh, three vendors who are representing uh, these 430 vendors, is that they, number one, they want uh, their moving costs covered if they eventually move to an off-site uh, market, uh, and uh, they also wanted all the vendors accounted for uh, if this market shrinks. Um, and inevitably, when you do shrink from uh, 15 acres to 5 acres, you're, you're going to squeeze some vendors out, and those vendors are very concerned that uh, not only would they lose their business and their livelihood, that they haven't been you know, listened to from the start of this process. Uh, and so council members were concerned about that. So uh, they decided to uh, m- give uh, another week for them to decide 
um, on this. And, and meanwhile, the developer's representative, Eric Schanauer, um, you know, he was very adamant about this item being passed this week uh, on Tuesday and, and Wednesday. And now he's uh, proposed that he may take off or the Bum family may take off some of these uh, offers if uh, this doesn't get approved. I see. And so um, in terms of this council vote, how did that pan out? Was it a familiar split between the business and labor or, or what was that like? Uh, it was interesting. Like uh, we usually you know, think about uh, council decisions with this dichotomy of labor and business and uh, you know in our past reporting we, we've said that you know late the council has shifted to labor uh six to five um, but it was interesting seeing this vote um david cohen um voting with uh the business block of, of the uh, council uh he of course made uh, or led the negotiations with, between um, his office and the, and the Bump family to get this reimagined flea market uh, and all these concessions that the Bump family has made. Um, and so, yeah, he, he voted with the business block. Uh, and one of the other council members who's on the business block, um, Vice Mayor Jones, uh, he submitted a memo asking if the flea market could be moved uh, somewhere else. He was considering things like uh, a county-owned sites, and, and he ultimately decided to vote with uh, the labor block of, of the council, uh, which really uh, pushed this back another week. I see. Now, as yeah. far as the Barriessa Flea Market Vendors Association is concerned, yeah. they led a hunger strike in protests uh, in the days around and before this vote, how do they feel about the delay? Are they can still continuing with their hunger strike? Uh, they ended their hunger strike uh, shortly after the vote. Uh, they ended it about noon on Wednesday. Uh, the council meeting for that item ended around 11, 11.30 around there. So uh, they've been on strike since, they were on strike since uh, Monday morning. And they feel like now that uh, the hunger strike has, has ended and they've gotten this uh, delay until Tuesday, that they'll be confident that they'll get everything that they need from uh, Councilmember Cohen's office, from Eric Schanauer, from the Bum family, to ensure that all of these vendors are accounted for. And that's something they really pushed for um, since this process uh, started this negotiations and their their organization really started uh, in March. Okay. Now, there's concern from the vendors that there won't be enough space for them in this new proposed market. Uh, what are some of the ideas being floated uh, to address some of these concerns? So the vendors have a few ideas. Uh, they've proposed a couple of weeks ago um, moving the market. If this market were to be moved to a public site, they'd want their moving costs at, uh, compensated by about twenty-eight million. Uh, if they were, if the market were to stay on site or move to the private location, uh, they'd want their moving costs um, reimbursed as well. Um, they also wanted uh, five-year guaranteed leases. Um, there was talk at the council on Tuesday about um, 
moving uh, the market somewhere uh, such as the the capital flea market um, that was more of an idea that was floated instead of like a, you know an actual like uh, uh, concrete thing that there was in a memo or, or but um, so yeah a lot of things by both the council members and uh, the flea market association as to you know where this space is going um, and what uh, Roberto Gonzalez, which is the president of the flea market association, what he wanted to make clear is that you know he he really wants all 430 uh, estimated 430 vendors to to be accounted for wherever this new flea market goes. I see. Well, thanks for taking the time to stop by and talk to us about this, Lloyd. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Up next, we'll be talking about the Silicon Valley Pain Index. This week, the Human Rights Institute at San Jose State University released its annual report, which is known as the Silicon Valley Pain Index. It's a report that focuses on racial discrimination and income inequality in the region. Joining me now to talk about the report is San Jose Spotlight reporter Tron Nguyen. Hey, Tron. Hey, Nick. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, Tron, tell us about the Pain Index. What did this year's uh, report reveal? Uh, for context, um, the Silicon Valley Pain Index is done by San Jose State University Human Rights Institute. This is the second year that they've done this. Well, last year, the first report detailed high levels of racial discrimination and wealth gap. This year, reports shows that all of those inequalities had really gotten worse over the pandemic. I see. And can you share some of the most significant statistics that came out in the report? Sure. In terms of wealth gap, um, you see that tech giants really thrive during the pandemic. Um, you have the top 10 richest Silicon Valley moguls, all of them are white men, um, grew their network by 130%. Um, that is a jump from $248 billion to $571 billion last year. However, over the same period, the average per capita income for Black residents in Silicon Valley declined by 1%. The average of Latinx residents' income saw a slight increase of $1,600 per year. Also, another statistic that really stunned the lead author of the report is the food insecurity rate, which is at 21% over the pandemic. That's a four times increase since the last year. According to the report, Second Harvest, which is the area's largest food bank, served over half a million people a month um, over this pandemic. If you think about how Santa Clara County have a population of 1.9 million people, that's a fourth of the county that was facing food insecurity over the pandemic. Wow, that's shocking. What does the pain index have to say about the housing situation in Silicon Valley? That is another bleak aspect in the index. So housing insecurity rates skyrocketed um, over this past year. Nearly 197,000 households in the county faced eviction or couldn't pay their mortgages last year. For context, this number was around 12,000 households in 2018. Um, and despite robust efforts from Sacred Heart um, Law Foundation, Santa Clara County to help people pay rent and prevent them from becoming homelessness, um, homeless population in the county also increased by 9% last year. This add up to a population of over 11,000 people 
who are living on the street right now. And out of that population, 17% of them are African-American and 44% of them are Latinx. So what happens next now that this report is out? Well, the lead author said that they'll keep working on this and they'll keep releasing the pain index every single year. They hope that the issues that is highlighted and exposed in this report will help spark more conversation around inequalities in Silicon Valley. And they hope that these will help drive policy changes in housing, in making minimum wage a more livable wage, among other things, in the hope that we can help reverse these numbers. I see. Well, thank you, Tron. I really appreciate you coming on to speak with us about this. All right. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of The Potlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. Thanks for listening. I'm editor Nick Preciado. We'll see you next week. Thank you.